Hey, James, can I ask you no, something? No, Walt, for the last time. I'm not telling you any more about myself. I don't care if it's for fake trivia or to get into my bank account or to trick me into saying something using your fancy little microphone that looks like a pen you got from McDonald's when you were 12. I'm not telling you any more things about me. Just leave me alone and do your strange thing away from me. Get out of my room. Your room? This is our... Uh, no, you're right. I'm sorry, man. I... I was just going to ask you if you think it's a good idea to disassemble all of my Selesnia decks and build it ones instead. I'm but I'll listening. Go ask... Oh, I don't want to bother you. I, I, no, no, no. I'm you're... here for you, man. I'm here for you, Walt. What's on your mind? I can come back later. No, if... no, no, no. Let's pull them apart now. Yeah, let's do it. Starting with Yashan. It's so funny you should have had this problem today, actually. Oh, yeah? Why is that? Well, I've just been to the shops and I've got this fancy new lighter. That's a blowtorch. The power of the sun in the palm of my hands. <laughs> Spider-Man reference yet? I ah uh, maybe we? I think I did a Green Goblin. Oh. Didn't I once go? Um, do you know what I've sacrificed? Yes, <laughs> I think we've hit that film already. Uh, I thought we were like cutting edge and doing something new. But we've moved from Spider-Man to um, Spider-Man Two. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah Doc. So we really moved moving through the universe. Do we have to do the third one with the Venom uh, thing? Yeah, I'll do. I'll do a skit where I walk in dancing as Tobey Maguire. Yeah, the bad boy yeah. slicked hair yeah. clicking, and I uh, <laughs> love that. Welcome to the Get Commanded <laughs> podcast by the Greensboro Commander Community. It's the GCP by the GCC and. POG, Palms Off Gaming, sponsor of this podcast. We're all uniting forces to help you to have better games of Commander. I'm your host, Walt. And hello, Commander players. I'm your other host, James. Now, we already know what the transmission is for this episode. We do. But I did want to shout out um, all of you amazing listeners that gave us all the questions for last episode and all the incredible questions for this one. Something I've noticed with all the listeners is they want us to do more stuff, which mm. is great. And if they want us to do more stuff, you know where they can support that? Well, do you know where they can do that? At our house by giving us a crisp high five. No, it's Patreon. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Get Commanded Podcast. So you're about to be like, and our address is. <laughs> <laughs> Come on over. No. Uh, yeah. You check out the Patreon. It's the absolute best way to support the work that we do. Um, yeah. Stay tuned. We're, we're, we haven't actually spent any of our Patreon no. money yet, but we have plans for it. So in the, in the very near future, you can expect some um, exciting developments. And it's because... People have supported our Patreon mm. uh, for so long. So please, if, if you love the work that me and James do, you want to see more of it, you want to see us do video content, merch, whatever, um, head to patreon.com slash commandedpodcast and just give us a little bit of money every month. Yeah, and like to get, to make it more real, Walt and I, this afternoon, after we play Pauper, of course. Of course. Um, we are going to be like sitting down and properly nutting out like a five-year plan for this podcast. Mm. We're serious about this, guys. Yes. We're like actually doing this. It's true. It's true. But Command? Yeah, I suppose we should, um, we do have it already, yep. so let's just hear it again. So this is a recorded transmission from the deep depths of the galaxy from the Space Commanders. It's time to get commanded. We have collated the ponderings and musings of your human audience. 
We require an understanding of the way in which your audience is affected by your broadcasts, and vice versa. Okay, we've got the rest of the list in front of us, and I'm so glad we split this across two episodes because it's already looking like a long episode with this list of questions. Oh yeah, there's some <laughs> there's some absolute doozies in here, and we are thrilled to get to them. The first one out the gates is a uh, longer one. This is another one of those stories, um, like we did in the last episode with Armageddon. Mm. <laughs> uh, this one comes to us from Arlo. So Arlo asks. How do you deal with tilted players in your games? Mm. There's a player at our shop who gets tilted most of the time when we play together and it's really difficult to handle them. Let's call them Ralph. Sometimes in a game, Ralph is getting noticeably irritated and it feels like they're going to slap the next person who interacts with their game plan. Far out, okay. And then they cast Craterhoof Behemoth. You have a counterspell in your hand. If you stop them, it's going to feel awful. But if you don't, you're compromising the integrity of the game for everyone else. What's the best course of action? How would you deal with these kinds of situations, both in-game and socially? Wow, Arlo, great question. This mm. is like... I feel like this is one of the things in Commander that often content creators don't talk about because it's a little bit of a... It's like walking on eggshells on content mm. creating and how to advise people on um, interacting socially together. Yeah. But as a, as a team of Get Commanded, we really believe that the social part of Commander is like the most important bit. So mm. wanting to improve your interactions, Arlo, props. Yeah. Great question. Definitely really important. I think it's really important to note with this one um, right at the gate, everyone gets tilted. Like, mm. absolutely, I get tilted, James gets tilted, we've got tilted in the same games, come to each other afterwards and go on, sorry about that. We actually have, like, hugged it out yeah. at the end of games and been like, I'm you know, sorry, bro. It all gets to us sometimes, Like you cross and gripping my, um, my Calmy Heart expedition. <laughs> I am never going to live man? that down. No, what the hell, man? Um, everyone gets tilted. Look, I think it's worth saying, though, for this specific scenario, if someone seems like they might get violent... Like, physically violent. Physically violent, because you've alluded to that right here, Arlo... Someone might get physically violent if you, you know, do the wrong thing to their board or interact with them the wrong way. That is just straight up not okay. Yeah. Um, and if you feel comfortable, I think the, the the most important thing to do here is to say something to either the store worker or yeah. if, if you play somewhere where there's a judge, you could say it to a judge so that they're aware of it. Basically, it's really important that Ralph gets some kind of warning so mm. they don't feel like it's okay to do this anymore because it, it's really, really not. Again, everyone gets tilted, but if you feel like someone is on the verge of getting violent, that is a level of tilted that you should not have to deal with. And honestly, if it's not like a reasonable solution for you to tell a judge or tell a store worker what's going on, just not playing with Ralph anymore is yep. totally reasonable. And it feels it feels like really hard to say no to someone for a game. Mm. It's actually a lot easier than you think. You can say it in ways of like, oh, I'm actually going to wait for some other people that I've promised a game for, or mm. you can you can skirt around that line of just kind of, uh, it's hard to say, but avoiding playing with them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think letting a store worker know for one, I know that within our local community and mm. our game store, we have a like community group that runs events. Mm. You can let those community group leaders know as well, for yep. sure. Um, 
people are around to help out. And also sometimes it might just be bringing in someone else that doesn't usually play in with that play group that might change the dynamic a bit, make yeah. people feel a little bit more comfortable. Yeah. I've, I've definitely been in games a couple of times where I've sort of been that person. Mm, I've um, seen you do it as well, which by the way, I know it's not your no. thing to do. It's not something I, I usually feel uh, comfortable doing. You'll be amazed. Sometimes you, your, um, your skills in socializing will take over and you, even though you don't feel very confident, you might say, actually navigate it reasonably well, which I've found with myself on occasion. Um, it's what good therapy does to a human, yeah, actually. <laughs> Being aware of yourself. But even like saying things like, um, this seems a bit much, or I wouldn't go that far. Mm. You know, really simple phrases that don't don't say to someone, you are overreacting, yeah. you know, because that feels really antagonistic. But calm, collected. Like I've heard you say like, the way you're reacting to this feels disproportionate. And like, <laughs> I like that wording because it's not yeah. saying you're overreacting, duh, 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 mm. you're doing this. It's like your response to the situation isn't what it could be, yeah. you know, or what it should be really. Yeah. And yeah. like, you know, I have had people get upset with me because they feel like I misrepresented my deck when mm. I was sitting down to play the game. And so then they got really tilted when I, my deck kind of popped off and was doing some really amazing I'm stuff. I'm assuming this was either Wart or Kr Chroma. It was Kaza. It was actually. Kaza? Yeah, Holy hell, Kaza yeah. was just kind of doing silly extra turn things, um, which is always possible. Mm. Anyway, I, I said to them, look, I, I feel I might have misrepresented my deck. I'm sorry about that. However, you know, you're just losing in this particular game. I think your reaction is disproportionate mm. to what's actually happened here, which is the game isn't going so and well. We'll play another one. I'll put this deck away. Yeah, you straight know. up. So, yeah, I, I think I think for this one, I, I do think priority number one is getting something in place so that this doesn't happen again, which like ideally... warning Ralph. Like, at, le at yeah, least having Ralph way. aware that his behavior is yeah. not... Proper. But completely understandably, if Ralph is someone who's a bit temperamental, you don't feel comfortable walking up to them, then I think the better solution is just to not play with them. And yeah, mm. I think there's, as you said, there's lots of very reasonable ways of saying, oh, I'm actually holding out for a game for someone else today, or not really after that kind of game today. Like, those are totally reasonable ways to let someone know, I don't really feel like sitting down with you today. Yep. Um, the other thing I wanted to highlight here is, I know it's a bit on the nose but as magic players we do sit in a world of nerddom mm -hmm. where social skills might not be as strong in other circles as it is in a local game store for sure and i do want to highlight some people just don't have the emotional regulation skills no that allows them to understand that they are getting angry at a game and not react in a way. Like, for example, when I get tilted, I really, really try and take a step back. And I can laugh at the situation if I do it successfully. Mm. Sometimes it will slip through. I'm not saying I'm a perfect person. Mm. But some people don't even have that in their brain. The, yeah. the, the thing of like, okay, we're getting angry. Why? Yeah. Is it reasonable? They don't have that regulation. And that awareness, yeah. I think, as well. Like, I've seen you even, you know, you're someone who often takes, like, little breaks from the game. You'll wander off and grab some food mm. or a drink or just go say hello to somebody else. Take a breath. <laughs> I think it's a really good reset. You yeah. Know, even if you're not necessarily really angry, if you're just feeling a bit tense or a bit stressed or the game's mm. kind of getting to you, I think it's a great way to reset. I, I wish I had more of that awareness in me to get up and walk around because I get really stiff, like physically stiff because yeah. I sit there for too long well, because we I don't have that thing of going like, oh, I'm just going to walk off for a sec. You well, know? we were in a game recently where I kind of had a lethal fling on board and I, mm. I represented it like, you know, I'm holding one in a red open and I've got this 30-30 plan. Yep. Um, and I was kind of dancing around and singing a lumberjack song and <laughs> it kind of made you feel like quite 
agitated and tense mm. and and at the end of it we had a bit of a chat about it and you had calmed down by that point and mm. let it all go but in game it was something that i didn't even notice yeah and it's something that even if i was in your seat i would have reacted completely different and yeah. this is what i'm trying to say is some people react not personally towards you they're reacting mm. and it's all internal so what i'm trying to say to you arlo is don't take what they're saying or doing personally yeah it's more to do with them yeah. it's more to do with ralph than it is to do with you mm. and that's what i'm trying to say for sure and you know it, it can be nice to in some way as we've said like offer ralph in feedback effectively either mm. via you or via a store worker or whatever but as you say Ralph is their own person. Yes. It's not your responsibility to fix Ralph or, like, make Ralph the perfect commander player. Ralph is on a journey. Ralph is on a different <laughs> journey to you. Seriously, though. Yeah. And so if you don't feel like being part of that journey, just don't, you know. Yeah. Play play on different tables. I like that this is a good way to start. I feel like we're doing good things for the community already in this <laughs> Q&A. I we'll agree. Jump into the next one. The sure. next question is from Nick. Oh, this is a doozy. If we had to pick one color to never play again, including for your decks that we own, what would we drop? So I did a little bit of reading for this this question. Did some research? Uh, kind of. So I did, I, I had a spreadsheet already. I think I've told you before that I've done this. Oh, I color analysis? Yeah, yeah, I calculate like how many of my colors, how many of my decks are playing each color. And then, so how many decks in total I have that are playing each color of magic effectively. Mm -hmm. I pulled out that table and updated it because a lot of my decks had uh, no longer existed. I had new decks. Yep. Um, it was similar to last time, but actually <laughs> consolidated itself down some familiar channels. Um, Let me guess, white and green commonly appeared. Yes. Shocker. <laughs> there, are, there were seven decks that included white and green. Uh, oh no, it was, maybe it was nine. Oh, uh, anyway. Yeah, I think it was nine decks that included white or green. Yeah. Seven that it contained blue or red. Seven? Yeah. Damn, that's your we next up? Yeah, right? I have got an influence on you. <laughs> <laughs> but then there were only five decks that contained black. And honestly, yeah. thinking about it, black is a color that incidentally appears in decks that I build. It's, it's a secondary color in 90% of the time yeah. it appears. It's yeah. like very rare that I set out to build a black deck. Well, even know? in like your Arami deck, like... As an Arami deck, it's very blue. Mm. A lot of people would play a lot more black in that oh, deck yeah. than you do. I was thinking about this the other day. Most people would probably build Arami with a bunch of aristocrats in there. Because it's, probably, a, it's yeah. a really valid way to win. Like, if you just yeah. encore just Zulaport Cutthroat... And three of them die. Yeah, it yeah. deals, I think, because each of them sees each other. So it deals nine around the table, you gain nine. That's wild. Actually. Yeah, like, it's a really good rate. I'm just not drawn to yeah. it. So it's interesting. Like, yeah, I, I definitely am more drawn towards the other colours. So for me, it's an easy... Easy answer. I would, just, I would just drop black, and I don't think I'd miss it that much. Yeah, that's fair. It would mean you'd have to disassemble Marchessa, though. I would. I, I'm not you saying could rebuild it, would be easy, it You actually. could rebuild it as white-red. Like Boros. Oh, it wouldn't be the same. No, it wouldn't be. You have to have the black aristocrat it's, stuff. Look, it's, a pain, it's always going to be painful, yeah. but I think it, it, if I had to choose one, it would have to be black. How about you? It's got to be green, right? <laughs> I think it's yeah, pretty obvious. Look, that's I, fair. I was considering green, white, like as two different colors to mm -hmm. possibly because, like hell, I'm not playing blue, black, red no, again. Like you built so much in those colors, exactly. And it's like it is the play style that I like. The interaction that those colors yep. have is just the way I like to play. Yeah. Um, but in terms of like tossing up between white and green, I've actually really enjoyed white recently. Right. I've just um, I've it's actually just been posted up on our community Discord. I've just built um, Savine the Crotoclasm. Yeah. Um, which we spoke about. I actually got inspired about um, on a recent episode of the Spellslinger episode mm. that we did. Because I was like, I used 
used to have this deck. Why did I assemble it? I loved it. So I've rebuilt it. Yeah. And it's awesome. And it's Jeskai. So I love how those three colors interact. Mm-hmm. I love the white. This is the thing that I kind of found when I looked at white and green is that white often supports what other colors are doing. Oh, yeah. Green often makes a deck do more green stuff than the other colors. Yeah. So I find that just because it's freaking Daddy Wizard's favorite child, <laughs> um, I find that the green thing happens if the second you put in green in a deck. Like, for example, mm. in my X-Hydra deck... Um, it always is casting big green monster spells and does yeah. the runover effects. I could do a big X black blue deck. I could do that, mm. but it's not quite as good Is you know, it wouldn't be as good without the green making the big hydras to beat face. Oh yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And like, even like, you know, look at my elves deck, obviously blue, uh, green black elves is a big archetype, but mm. it's realistically more green than it is black. Do yeah. you know what I mean? It's true. I, I, I definitely see where you're coming from as someone who also plays a lot of white. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's so, it's also just so great to have inner commander's color identity. You get access to so much removal. Yes. Like literally you the can The objectively pick, best removal as well. Like you get you the objectively get... best. And also like we talked about in the, I think it was the best removal episode where we talked about synergy versus efficiency when you're choosing your removal pieces. Mm. You also just get really synergistic removal often in white. Like you get removal spells that populate. You get removal yeah. spells that, um, you know, like do lots of different things that your or deck flicker, wants to do. You know, yeah, flicker yeah. removal spells. Um, whereas I'm, I'm completely with you. Like I love green, but you have to love green to build a green deck. Even just, if it's green plus white or green plus black or whatever. And I just don't. Yeah, I just don't. I'm I sorry. respect it. Yeah. No, it's fair. It's it's definitely like it. Green does its thing. Green yeah. does creature stuff. The other thing that I think that green does, which always makes me feel bored, is the amount of just like really good land ramp that green has. Yeah, I just find like if you're in green, run the ten green land ramp package. Mm. It's like honestly, like I feel like if you're in a green color identity, even foregoing strategy and synergy, you could just run that and your deck will be perfect. Yeah. You could. It's and true. that's boring. Now you've got 34 cards to choose from, not yeah. 54. You know, like, it's just one of those things. It's like, you, the second you put green in, it becomes a green deck. Mm. And that's why I think green should be removed and replaced with purple. <laughs> <laughs> that was not the question, James. <laughs> I'm sorry to tell you. Um, that was a good one. Thanks, Nick. Uh, next question comes to us from Matt. This is a very similar question. Matt asks, what magic color philosophy do you resonate with the most. Ooh. Um, we've I, done two philosophy episodes so far. We have. So we've done color philosophy. Well, three actually, because we did color philosophy in yep. general, and then we did white and we did blue. And blue. So we still have three of those monocolors still to go. Um, I think when we did the white episode, I realized that white for me epitomizes my ongoing battle with perfection. Oh, in we my did, life. We did talk about this. We talked actually. about this. So and how like perfection isn't real. So it's yes. always strived to get there. Yes. And fails a yes. lot. And for me, that is just like my life. <laughs> yeah. So like, and I'm saying this saying, I want to be really, really clear here. I'm not saying that my life is a pursuit of perfection. It's me chasing perfection and frequently failing. And yeah. that is exactly and where we f- landed with white, right? It was like, yeah. white has this ideal state of like, we'll all live in harmony and the rules will work and together we'll win and all this stuff. And all of those things are kind of fake and yeah. you can't ever completely get there. But white is trying anyway. And honestly, I think that's probably roughly what kind of a person I am. <laughs> I like, look, it's funny. I, really see what you're saying i thought you would immediately say green because like you're very Mm. like i'm 
well, you're very nature-based yourself as a person. You're very trust in nature and, you know, things are exist the way they are because that's the way they're best. Like, you know, and also the harmony bit is more green. Like the, the con- or group collate- collectiveness is very white, but the harmonious synergy between beings is very green. That's true. Um, I thought you'd say green, but I really understand what you're saying about the struggle aspects and each color has a struggle mm. and that's why my identity is would be red actually i think because ah. my struggle is the red struggle of well it's not red doesn't even see it as a struggle and i think this is the funny thing i don't see it as a struggle either my life is just chaos mm. i'm constantly busy i'm constantly running around i've always got a to-do list that's the size of my arm like i'm yeah. i'm constantly running and i feel like it's very hard for me to calm down in those like situations. Mm. I'm I perform better with three cans of Monster Energy in my body mm. than. Do you know what I mean? I feel like red is just me. It might not be who I want to be, mm. but it is who I am. Well, I've owned up to it that as with yeah. white, honestly. Like I would, I don't want to be someone who constantly yeah. struggles with perfection, but it's probably who I am. Yeah, I think. I mean, how I would describe it for you is, you know, you're someone who juggles a lot of things, mm. but who likes juggling. I actually I actually juggle too. You'd, like, yeah. I can juggle. You'd, be, you'd rather be juggling than yeah. have two perfectly balanced things in your hand. You'd be like, ah, oh, this is boring. Yeah. <laughs> Let, give throw me four me, more. Throw me that apple. <laughs> <laughs> and the banana. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That makes I, sense. Yeah. I can I, see that in you. For I sure. feel like people would assume that I would be like, I'm blue. I'm not. I like to pretend I'm blue. Mm, I like dabba putting. Dabba die. Yeah. If I was green, I would die. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in need of a guy. Yeah. Um, but like, I feel like I when I pretend to be blue, I'm very much almost putting on the persona of like the tenth Doctor mm. of like this brash, confident, walking around like he knows everything, but realistically is making it the fuck up as he goes yeah. along. And that is really red. Yeah. Walking into a room, pretending that you know it all, and like you know. Are just making it up that is it but mm. really you are core red yeah you know what i mean that's true i, I think i would describe is it as more red than blue like we talked before about mm. the, the the two color identities and how sometimes they like the second color just like enhances the the other one in a way that just feels more like that color than the other yeah and so like yeah white green feels more green than white to yep. me probably and i think blue red feels more red than blue like the the blue adds an element of knowledge but it's also mostly like yeah like red's chaos and not know and making it up but with blues knowing a little bit and it's being like hey i know everything but mostly four things <laughs> <laughs> and i know those four things like decently well yes. anyway I'm going to talk for 30 minutes about each of them. But I feel it's interesting because even when you look at the decks, I feel like is it decks often have more blue cards in it. That's true. But the blue cards are doing the red thing of like, I need to draw a million fucking cards right now. And when you picture a blue red card, they they look chaotic to me. They don't look look blue. They look more chaotic than blue. I think as two colors next to each other on a card as well, they're the most stark different. Like red and blue. Like you think about Spider-Man costume and how poppy it is mm. red blue cards look poppy as hell that's true whereas green white cards look like a nice yeah, outfit it's kind you'd of wear like... a summer evening <laughs> <laughs> oh my god whenever people ask me what my favourite colour identity is from now on I'm going to say summer evening summer, <laughs> summer evening <laughs> I love building summer evening decks yeah, <laughs> me too um Good one. Uh, Nick asks us the next question. Pick one plane that never gets visited again 
and another that gets a set within the next two years. Ooh. So these, I assume, both of these are planes that we have visited that we know before. Of, yeah. Or yeah, we know of, or I have been visited before. I'd say so. so one of these planes we're never going to visit again. The other one we're going to give it a set within the next two years. So we're head of R and D. We're making the decisions. What's 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 never? What are we never seeing again? All right, Gavin Verhey, listen up. <laughs> <laughs> um, never again. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, okay. Recent, very recent. Nuka Penna. Oh. I actually... Look, I loved the idea of Nuka Penna. The whole gangster kind of kingpin it's vibe. It's a cool vibe. I don't think it played off well. Mm. I think the Magic Universe didn't utilize the the vibe of Capenna well enough. Mm-hmm. I think I couldn't... I wouldn't be bothered if we don't go back to Capenna. I didn't relate to the families in the lore. I didn't sure. kind of relate to the story. I liked the fact that we found out where Elspeth is from. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, yeah, there was a couple of cards that were cool, like Luxador and stuff like that. But like, it was a meh set. Yeah. It was meh. I respect that. Um, and, and what about, what What are you, what are we revisiting in the next two years? I know this one for sure. Kaldheim. Oh yeah. For sure Kaldheim. This set like, how many... There's, like, nine realms in Kaldheim. I think so. There's, like, Kaldheim is a plane, and then there's the world tree that has the realms yeah. out of it. It's, like, it's very based on Norse mythology, and, yeah, there are, like, multiple entire worlds. Like, you know, this yeah. is a plane that contains a planes. A pocket universe. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. Why did we not get more... Like, you know the whole block system that Magic used oh, to yeah. have? Oh, yeah, so we used to have, like, three sets where we'd visit one plane. So it'd be, like, you know, Mirrodin, basically we have... Mirrodin. Yeah, Mirrodin yeah. Re- Resurgeness. Mirrodin Remastered. I wasn't playing then, okay? No. <laughs> <laughs> but Kaldheim was, like, the perfect set to do something to like that. Block, because you could yeah. have gone, like... The first set was three realms, yeah. Right? And those three realms could have had really strong color identities linked to them. Mm. And then the next three could have had color identities in the next three. Could yeah. have been like a really sick two color pairing set matters. Mm. I don't know. I just feel like that set did not have enough. I felt the story was mid on the on the set itself. Yeah. And it was like, it could have been more. Mm. And the characters were so cool. Yeah. And there's some creatures that I really want to revisit. Like, imagine another Orva that isn't as busted and fun to play. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I think, yeah. Uh, so for me, this question, I am not someone who's super aware of the magic story, as I've been embarrassingly admitting for over a year now on this no, podcast. It's sad. Um, it is sad. But uh, I think I, I completely agree with you on Kaldheim. Mm. Uh, totally loved the flavor of the set. I loved all the sagas as well on that set. Yeah, it's something I, that I loved about those sagas, just quick tangent, the mm, artwork, yeah. how some of them were actual like physical wood carvings. Oh, and yeah. And taking a photo, that was sick. Well, that's, I think, like, I think there's a great video from Ristic Studies, Sam from Ristic Studies does mm. a, a video essay on sagas where he basically argues that I think almost all of the sagas artwork can be argued to be the interpretation of events that have occurred on a plane from the people that lived there. Yes, like the the people that lived on the plane, if they were to produce art, it would yes. be in this style. Like the wood carvings on Kaldheim, yeah. that's how the Vikings of Kaldheim would deal or, with it. Or like, how many have we seen with stained glass windows? Mm, you know, that's like, Dominaria. people have constructed effigies yep. to the, the events of that particular plane. Even the Theros, like how they're, you know, like they're the paintings of warriors and stuff yeah. in that like Greek yeah, styling. it looks like pottery or yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, I mean, even just for that, I would love to see Kaldheim again, some yeah. more sagas. Um, I don't know where I would not have us visit again. Maybe Ravnica. 
We'd Gasp. Shock, uh, we're going back to Ravnica next year. Are we really? It's Ravnica Remastered. I'm not sure Ravnica if you saw that. Ravnica Remastered. It's- oh, I did hear people were excited about this because it's going to do similar to Dominaria Remastered. Yes, reprint. Where it's like, yeah, it's a reprint yeah. set, but they also are going to like, like, melge. Melge. All- <laughs> Meld is a mechanic, but <laughs> meld is when you take multiple sets and put them into one. <laughs> yep. New word. Coined yeah. it right now. Melge. We're going to melge Ravnica Instead together. of the block way of releasing sets, Walt has introduced the melge set. <laughs> and introducing Ravnica melged. Um, anyway, yeah, when Ravnica gets melged, I reckon yeah. that'll be cool. But I'm, I'm sick. I'm a little over Ravnica just conceptually. I'm sorry. Yeah, to, I, I know that people love Ravnica, but like, can we just visit like once a year, maybe? If that, maybe once every two years, you know? Well, I feel like we've not been back to Ravnica in a long time. So Ravnica Remastered does feel well timed. That's true. I feel like it's fine. Yeah. I did want them to call it Return to Ravnica Remastered. <laughs> <laughs> the classic just the return, alliteration. To the return to the Return to Ravnica. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. Great question, Nick. Love yeah, that one. 100%. All right. Jordan is asking us, do you do anything differently when deck building than you used to a year ago? Are there any specific cards that you find don't make the cut in your lists anymore um, that used to, either because they're too weak or because of the opposite? Interesting. Great question. So well, this is basically asking how our deck building approach has changed over the yeah. last 12 months. Probably, I think Jordan asked a few questions that were like very retrospective because Jordan asked a lot of questions in our last Q&A, yeah. which was a long time ago now. Dedicated listener. We yes. appreciate you, Jordan. We do appreciate you, Jordan. But yeah, basically how have our opinions shifted? And specifically in this case, yeah, how are we building decks differently? How, how have you changed, do you reckon, as a deck builder? Interestingly, I've actually... I think I have specifically moved away from power in my deck building in the Mm. last... I would say this is more recent. Within the last, like, six to eight months, I reckon I've been doing this. Sure. Like, my Savine deck, I specifically built it to be more casual and Mm. kind of less... I made sure that there wasn't any wacky infinite combos or... I haven't put it into the combo checker yet. Oh. <laughs> I should do that you actually do before that, I yeah. buy the cards. Um, but I think CDH as part of my like regular commander meal, like, you know, you know, well-balanced mm. diet of a little <laughs> bit of casual, sure. little bit of plain chase, little bit of CDH. Mm-hmm. I feel like CDH has given me my scratch on playing the best that I can, playing mm. the best lines, being objectively right. Yeah. I also have played a lot more pauper recently as well. Mm-hmm. So I think that my like competitive itch has gotten out of casual commander by doing that. Yeah. So I started building decks that I think what I've been trying to do is make decks that have a lot of hoops to jump through yeah. to make them good. And it's like, I've talked about this on the podcast before of like, don't get distracted with sub themes, mm. but this is slightly different. I've tried to go through the thing of like, all right, my win con is like three steps. Yeah. I have to deploy this. Then I have to do this. Mm. Then I win con, not I deploy this, then I win con. Yeah. You know, like the typical win con of, you know, tokens overrun. You make tokens, mm. you overrun. Two steps. Yeah. Whereas in my Savine deck, that is actually my win con. I've got a bunch of creatures that make a, like a bunch of little one ones mm. that I then cast like Rally the Peasants, which is a <laughs> pauper win con. Yes. Um, that has flashbacks so I can buff all those tokens yep. a lot, but it's a lot of steps to jump through. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like those win cons now are intriguing me more like i even have you know for example scorpion god yeah it's a negative one one counter deck but it's also aristocrats which Mm. means that the the value that i get from the one ones can only be gained if i set up 
the aristocrat strategy. Yeah. And even Tornos. Tornos is like a perfect example of this. Tornos is just like a bunch of trash. Build something out of it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> 100%. I think there's something to be said. I, I think there's a future episode in this. And I think I've started brewing it in my head a little bit. But there's something to be said for as a sort of advanced deck builder, someone who's built a lot of decks before, mm. we still want to be able to have good games with people who've built new decks or with people who've built pre-cons. There's something to be said for build, building a deck with the wrong commander at the helm. You know what I mean? Yeah, Like, true. build, build the, the deck that does this particular thing you're interested in, but rather than playing, like, you know, Aristocrats, for instance, mm. rather than playing Taysa Karlov, sorry to Taysa Karlov players out there, but that is, like, the objectively right Aristocrats deck um, commander, yep. right? Like, that's the best commander to have in the, in the, or in the Lender, grand zone. Or a Lender, a Lender of the Dust, Dust Rose. Rose. Yeah. yeah, it's one of those ill... Alls of good, great things, yeah. yeah. great, great, great Aristocrats commanders in, in the, the command zone. Nothing, not criticizing those at all, but building a deck as someone who's an advanced deck builder with that as the, the commander, it's very difficult to not build a really strong deck because mm. we build really good decks because we've built so many of them. Well, I mean, if you think about it, like your Marchessa deck, for example, is an Aristocrats deck. Yeah. Yeah. But you've got Marchessa at the helm, which yeah. is Monarch. Like, you know, so like yeah. it's a weird focus in the command zone, but the deck does something different. So my Scorpion God deck is a negative 1-1 one, one counters deck, mm. but it's an Aristocrats deck. Yeah. So, yeah, having... I could be in a Rak, uh, Rakdos build with Garner at the helm instead. Yeah. That's a way better Aristocrats ra- uh, red-black commander. Yeah. So there's something to be said, I think, for controlling the power level of the deck that you're building by having, quote, the wrong commander in mm. the in the command zone because it, it, it will control the power of the deck. You can absolutely optimize the hell out of the 99. You're never going to completely bust it because the commander stops you from doing so. Yeah. I, I've had a lot of fun with this recently. I mean, I talk about it all the time. My Katilda and Leah spellslinger deck. I don't think I know this one. Is this, <laughs> sure. is this the human uh-huh, type? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gets like jumpstart? Yeah, that's right, you, you, you it. caught it. Nice. Yeah. No, so it, it, <laughs> it's just like the a bad spellslinger commander. Yeah. Like it's trying to do two separate things that don't mesh together very well but i've optimized the hell out of the 99 i keep on subbing cards in and out trying to make it the best thing i possibly Mm. can but i can't ever completely break it because the commanders aren't very good no you know they don't get removed though because they're not (laughs) which is nice which is second threat after the second threat i do find that i think there is an episode in this and i Mm. think we revisit it but we did talk a little bit about it in our recent episode called what's in a template yeah um how we kind of talked about the different approaches you can take to building a deck Mm. i think this is an additional approach of building a deck with a commander that isn't the strategy definitely interesting um in How's your deck of, building changed? Yeah, good question. Um, I'm so glad you asked me that, James. You uh, actually, it was yeah, Jordan yeah. that asked that. Um, I'm just curious. <laughs> um, I definitely am playing less ramp. I've found most of the decks mm. that I'm building these days, I'm hovering around 8 to 10 bits of ramp instead of that sort of 10 to 15 mark that I used to have. But you, like, pray to Sam Black every night, so you've <laughs> lowered that curve The down. curves come down yeah. a lot. I've also just built decks that don't need as much ramp in them. Like, they just do more in the lower amount of value yeah. slots. Um, I'm definitely playing fewer board wipes. I talked about this before. I think in the last, I think in the last Q and A, I was talking mm. about how where um, where we think commander is going to go next in terms of cards. Yeah, less board wipes less. for sure. I'm playing less board wipes. Usually, most of my decks are only playing two. I used to play five. five. Yeah, pretty much standard. I do remember yeah. you were one of those culprit players that was like going to reset the game again yeah. because it's the best thing to do. I'm glad I'm not doing it anymore. <laughs> it slows the game down so much. Um, and I'm playing more card draw, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, more on the 15 mark. We've also talked about that recently. Yep. Um, in terms of like cards, specific cards I'm not playing anymore, I'm not playing panoramas. 
I never played panoramas. <laughs> They've always been shit. They've always been bad. Look, I used to I used to follow um, the commander's quarters sort of way of building decks, and he always included panoramas. I'm like these seem fine. They're not fine. It's because they're like, Mum, can we have a fetch land? No, we have fetch lands at yeah, home. <laughs> fetch lands at home. Panoramas. Um, I think that to be honest, I wrote all of that down when I was writing notes for this episode, and I was like, "That's done." And then I realized I've made a huge change to how I build my decks, which Go is on. that I've cut almost all of the tutors. Oh, that's well. We spoke a lot about that in the tutors v card draw episode. Yeah, tutors vs card draw. Yeah. I talked a lot specifically to that, but yeah, basically most of my decks, with a few exceptions like Gerard Golgari, well, Marin Clan <laughs> Hilltop, yeah. that plays Gerard Golgari, Lich Lord, and needs to find him. With the exception of decks like that that need shooters in them. The Glass Cannon decks. The Glass Cannon decks. <laughs> Shout out to our Glass, glass Cannon, cannon episode. episode. God, I love these Q&As. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah, mo- the vast majority of my decks are playing like one shooter or most of them are playing no shooters at all. Yeah. And um, I've been loving playing like that. It's interesting you say that. I, um, with my Savine deck that I've just recently built, mm-hmm. there is an incredible tutor. You're not going to believe this. It's one in a blue. You tutor your library for three cards with flashback and put them into your graveyard. You were messaging me about this and I was yeah. like, that seems nuts. Yeah, <laughs> it's strong. But I actually took it out of the final list because I was like, you know what? If that means that I get my win con immediately and if mm. i just have that in my opening hand it means that i could deploy very very fast yeah you know um increasing devotion rally the peasants kill you yeah i mean it's boring it's it's boring all the win cons including yeah. the way to get there yeah. yeah so i took that out i did post it up in our discord and there was um a couple of really great um people in there um shout out to james who was like oh you definitely should run this 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 card and then went Oh, I just checked your considering tag on Moxfield. <laughs> They're all in there. <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah. I'm aware of them. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, all right. Yeah. Next question. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one's pretty short. It's from Nick and it has an emoji of two, you know, the looking eyes. The eyes emoji. Yeah, the yeah. eyes emoji. And it just says merch, question mark. Eyes emoji. <laughs> eyes emoji. I, I want to answer this. Sure. We would love to. Mm-hmm. Um, it's most likely going to be crowdfunded. Yeah. It is going to be the situation because we're not at the point yet where we can justify ordering a backlog of merch. No. Um, but I want to say, if you want to have this happen, you can support it. That That's what the Patreon is there for. Mm-hmm. This is the money that we're going to be banking up and doing it. If you guys are absolutely desperate for it, there are ways that we can do it sooner rather than later. But you got to let us know that you want it. Yeah. Um, if, if you want it, jump in the Discord, tweet about it, share it on Instagram, go down to your local game store and just yell, get commanded, should have a t-shirt. Um, because we, we would genuinely love to do it. But Walt and I are too... I'm going to say we're responsible business owners. And um, <laughs> we're looking at the... The like the involvement of doing this, and it's quite a lot of effort. We got to mm. get it designed. We got to get samples, and it's it's not a it's not a cheap and quick process. We'd have to spend quite a bit of money to do this. Yeah. Um. And then we'd have to think. Okay. Well, now we have to crowdfund it, and mm. if if we don't reach a certain point, we can't order a minimum set of t-shirts for example yeah. that would justify doing it so then you guys would be getting it for a hella discounted price yeah and like you know it would it be, it's very confusing and i've done it before for other businesses where i've had to do this but i would love to and yeah. i've actually thought about some merch ideas that yeah. we could do sure i think one of the coolest ones is uh a, like basically a card on like on the front of your t-shirt and mm-hmm. it can be like a template of a card and it could just say and it's up. And then on the back of the shirt, land on the back uh, for that's MDFCs. Pretty funny. 
I thought that would That's be pretty great. sick. I love that a lot. Um, I thought It's Time to Get Commanded would be really cool on, yeah. uh, like, sleeves it's or something like that. It's very comic booky. You could have, like, It's Time to in small writing and then the big Get, get Commanded. commanded. Yeah. Um, I also really like the idea of having a playmat that is like, you know when you buy a piece of Ikea furniture, yeah. like we've done before in the past, mm-hmm. and they've got those cartoons of how to build it? Oh. I would love those cartoons being, like, 10 bits of card draw, 10 oh! bits of rev on a playmat. How sick would that look? That's actually so fun. I think it's really cute. And then like a white playmat, how sick would that look? Like you, the white and black sketches? You know what you could also do is you could lay it out in such a way that when people are building, they can put them on the columns. <gasps> like have the little card Like a card deck building playmat? Like, like, oh, a, like a thing and you could have like a card draw section and then like a <gasps> ramp and then a removal. And then people could literally be like, all right, pull out my get commanded template yes. playmat. Lay out the stuff. That's I really love fun. That. I, 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 we'd have to call Moxfield and be like, hey, yo, do you want your logo on this playmat as well? <laughs> yeah, top left corner. Open up moxfield.com. Yeah. Yeah, I also think um, uh, I died to twiddle would be a fun one. <laughs> sure. That's a, that's a shout out. four people who've died to twiddle. It's <laughs> yeah. a shout out to one of our good friends who's been on this podcast, Cooper Stubbs, that lost a game to Walt's twiddle. Yep. <laughs> I cast Twiddle on my Arami to untap it and cast it again. And Cooper just immediately said, I can't believe I just died to Twiddle. <laughs> uh, but yes, short answer. We would love to. Absolutely. If you guys want to see it, let us know. Like, be vocal about it. And yeah, if, if it's something that Walt and I this afternoon talk about. And like, <laughs> right, this could be a real possibility. Mm-hmm. Then, um, yeah, we would love to do it. It, it would. would be hella crowdfunded and you guys would... Um, be along with us for the journey, but I feel like that's the get commanded way of doing things. Yeah, you guys are part of this podcast, so you're going to be part of it. We'll ask you what you want to see on merch. Yeah, very very collaborative process for sure. Drop us a line. Let us know what you want to yeah. see. Definitely. Our next question comes to us from Ben. Ben says, "Why do we spread out the damage when attacking? Is it not a better play to try and kill a single player?" Interesting. That's a good question. I. I think there's an argument to be said here for keeping everyone's life totals in check. Mm, I think like keeping everyone within range. Yeah, yeah, I think it's really like I've gotten to the end of games before where often it happens when someone has some incidental life gain, right? Like mm. um, Authority of the Consoles, for instance, yep. will just gain so much life over a soul the course of the game. Or yeah, a soul like sister that. effect. Even having like a propaganda or something, just dissuading attacks. Yeah. Sometimes you get to the end of a game, everyone's got a very developed board, the means to kill a player, and then you look around and go like, "Wow, I can kill any player on the board except James, who is at forty life mm. and it's a problem like you get you get to a point where it's like wow even if we all gang up resources we probably can't kill james before he kills us that is a problem in a casual game and so i i think there's a really strong argument for actually keeping everyone's life totals within range is what i would say so yep. not wailing on one person also not like always spreading the damage but just making sure there's no one whose life total is getting silly because you might just never get there you yeah. know with that player and then you might have to really think about like alternative win cons like can yeah. I get commander damage through on this player it or... becomes a more difficult problem yeah. to solve for sure I think the other thing that, that I'll say and this is more of a get commanded message is no one likes sitting around waiting for the game to end like if you die first in a game of commander and you have to spectate for like 20 minutes well and sometimes you have to spectate for like 40 minutes yeah. or an hour if it's a casual game it's not much fun um obviously you could you know if you're at a game store you could wander off and come back but most of the time you want to get a game in with the same pod you just played with anyway yep um so i i I think there's an argument for not killing people for that reason and also 
I will um, shout out my friend James here and say that having lethal combat damage on someone <laughs> is a great politics opportunity. I was so curious where you were going with that, but I do that a lot. Yeah, it's a really, like, you have the absolute best leverage you can have. You have the means to do say- Do you want to keep playing? Do you want, yeah, do yeah. you want to keep playing? I can end your game right now, or let's pull some resources together. Yeah. You might have a stronger chance of winning that game. Like, you know, again, if we go put, apply the spike lens for a second, yeah. you might have a stronger chance of winning that game in the long run by keeping that player alive and using them as your tool. Well, I was going to add the exact same spike lens of being like killing one player might then make you target numero uno for removal yeah which means you die on the crackback that like the the crackback of an attack is so real and mm. that's why i think people in commander generally hold up blocks more often than swing because there's three opponents yeah so you you're you need to block more than you need to attack in mm. commander do you know what i mean yeah whereas in 1v1 you need to block just as much as you need to attack because you've got one opponent yeah um I think I, I agree with you, Ben, about how you're saying, is it better to try and kill a player? Because we've constantly talked about ending the game. Mm. And I think if you're not taking a very clear opportunity to kill a player when you can mm -hmm. and not die on the crackback and not suffer the ramifications of what we were just talking about, yep. do it. Yeah. Kill that player. Oh, yeah. They deserve to die. Yeah. They are your enemy. <laughs> like, it's true. Eventually, the game does have to end. Yes. And I think there are people who I'm aware of who could learn this lesson, which is to say that, like, okay, if you have the means to kill a player, you know, you've got, like, 30 damage in the air, yeah. start killing players. Because yeah. you could end the game in two turns, but if you start going, like, oh, I'll share the damage around, you're just prolonging a game that you're probably going to win anyway. Yeah. I agree. It's a good one, though, Ben. I really, really like how question. the fact that you're, you're, you're identifying a very get-commanded struggle of ending the game yep. but being fun I, I appreciate that there was a really really funny thing where Ben sent through like five different questions yeah. and then sent through a follow up message where he was like all of this is coming from me who is a very high powered player I'd like more people to play in a more high powered <laughs> way <laughs> you're trying to influence <laughs> yeah, them yeah it's like the, the leading questions basically from Ben but no they're, 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 they're really good questions and I appreciate them but it's just funny Ben was like I'm outing myself I am a high powered player that's but funny come on guys let's end this goddamn game already you know what I also Ben this is a dialogue feel free to give your opinions yeah, back to us for sure drop them in, <laughs> the, Jump discord. in the discord for sure 100% well we've answered a lot of questions already mm. we've got a few more though uh, I think we should Take a thrifty interlude. A thrifty interlude. A thrifty interlude. A little break that won't break the bank. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's a, a good, good catchphrase. Hey. I just kind of said it and went, oh, that could go on merch. The, the merch is writing itself. Take a break. Point. Take a thrifty Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> nice. We probably Kit can't do that. No, we can absolutely not do that. Um, so we have lots of questions left to answer. But before that, we're going to hear a little something about a thrifty card. So mm. as a tradition, I will be performing a monologue. And this week, it's the cowled merchant with some new wares yeah. in the market of good ideas. Our good interplanar um, salesman. Yes, salesman, friend, everything. <laughs> this is my best friend. Yes, she's a unicorn. No. Um, <laughs> this episode, do read the card I'm featuring this week? Jeff? I definitely would, because it's got one of my favorite mechanics. And oh, definitely a mechanic that should be reprinted into the the ground uh, -huh. uh this is empty the warrens for three and a red you'll get a sorcery that says create two one one red goblin creature tokens i just love goblin no 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 it also has storm ever wanted to know exactly how many goblins could fit in a hole 
The answer is, it depends. Could be 2, or 10, or 48. There's just no way of knowing how deep those holes go. Like an ant nest. And like an ant nest, don't bloody step on the hole, because you'll find out! You haven't been this frightened of an evacuation since... Probably your last evacuation, unless it was one of those practice ones. No, Mr. Boss Man, I don't want to stand next to a sign that says emergency meeting point. I just want friends who are goblins. Is that too much to ask? If it is, I don't want to work here. Unless this is one of those things that you can get with collective bargaining. In which case, I'm joining a union. Get budgeted! 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 <laughs> I love how, like, if you really read, like, the last, like, nearly a hundred Thrifty Thursdays, mm. you could really get a political compass of Walt's opinions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, sometimes it comes through subtly, and most of the time it comes through not at all subtly. No. <laughs> I've also, on the nose. I've got a question about Thrifty Thursdays law. Mm -hmm. Where does it, the cow merchant possibly works in an office, a building? He has before. He has before. He's lived many lives, I think. Or he could be many people. He could indeed. <laughs> um, you can, speaking of Thrifty Thursdays, you can see them as they come out in text form every Thursday in our Discord server in the Thrifty Thursdays channel. And you can also see us bring some of these to life in video form over on TikTok at Get Commanded. So follow us on there to see those as they come out. Alrighty, we've got a ton more questions to get to, so we're just we're just going to jump back in. Sure. Let's just go straight into it. No, it. no impressive segue. Mm -hmm. Brad is asking, why are people so afraid of CEDH staples? A lot of them scale pretty terribly in Casual Commander. Dockside Extortionist is a lot worse when people are playing less Mana Rocks and more Land Ramp, for example. Orcish Bowmasters doesn't kill almost anything in a casual game. Mystic Remora draws far fewer cards when people are playing creature decks. Great question, yeah. Brad. Um, I think I can definitely speak to this as someone who doesn't have a lot of money. <laughs> It's really Fair enough. Fair no, enough. but seriously, these are signposts of a strong deck, and a sp specifically a deck that has staples in it. Mm. So I agree. Most of those CEDH-ish staples, I think Dockside is one that bridges the gap into casual a lot better than maybe you're giving it credit for here. But I think definitely August Bowmasters, Mystic Remora, I totally agree. They don't scale very well with casual casual decks. Probably people are overreacting when they see them, but. As someone who plays against a lot of people I don't know a lot when I go to different game stores and stuff, mm -hmm. if I sit down in a game and I feel like we're sort of roughly at the same power level and someone's dropping, you know, staples of our format like Mystic Remora or like Dockside or like Orcish Bowmasters... Mana Crypt even? Well, Mana Crypt is, is just great in every level yeah. of the game, I would say. Like Whereas, yeah. whereas Brad's sort of talking about... Ones that are not good in CDH, I think. Oh, or only good in CDH. Only good in CDH. Yeah. yeah. But to me, these when I see these cards in a game, the cards themselves, I agree, are not that worrisome. But they indicate to me that this person is someone who has probably spent a lot of money on the deck, mm -hmm. who has probably built a very, very strong deck, right? Like, they're building with staples in them. They might mm -hmm. have other staples that do scale with casual really well, like Smothering Tithe, like yeah. Path to Exile, like Swords to Plowshares. Like, these are the best... 
cards in our format Even, like, full the, stop. The free interaction spells are the ones that I oh, think yeah. scale really strongly in casual. They're just like, always good in casual. Yeah, yeah. I agree. So I for me, I as someone who's played against decks like this before, I agree. I think people overreact to the cards themselves, but they're probably reacting also to the idea behind someone having those cards in their deck. And which what is it could like, mean for the rest of the deck. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of like going like, okay, like if I'm seeing Mr. Gamora, is there a Rhystic study in this deck? Because that card scales super well in casual commander. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I agree. I agree on the basis that there are cards that are CDH staples that are just almost bad in yeah. casual. Like I genuinely, like Orcish Bowmasters was one that Brad specifically called out there. I agree. It's pretty terrible in casual. Yeah. It's like it becomes a bad Niv-Mizzet Perun. It, like, it, like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, kind of. Yeah, I think that it... Yeah, you're right. It pings a couple of damage here and there, and if you're playing into that strategy, maybe it could be strong, but you have to be building around it, whereas in CDH, it could be just in any black deck and get you enough value because the, the, the meta of CDH is most of the creatures can be killed by a couple of pings. Yeah. So I think that, yeah, you're totally right. That one was a good call-out. Um, I do think, though, that there are some CDH staple cards that even in a casual game can just, like, shift the tide pretty effectively. Yeah. I think Dockside, I, you said it before, I don't think there's enough credit given here where Dockside is just really powerful. Yeah. Even in a casual game, I think that... It's one in a red, It's right? one in a red. Like, You're always probably going to go up on mono. It's, yeah. If this only makes you five treasures in a casual yeah. game, you still paid one in a red for five color, five mana of any color that you can bank. It's yes. not even a ritual. Like it's, it's better than a card that says pay one in a red, create five mana of any color. Mm. It's better than that because you can just hold it. You can just wait and then use the treasures later. Like it's it's still extremely strong. It's also a creature can become flickered, yeah. come back, and I think decks that do play it often utilize it in that way. Yeah, I've taken. I had Dockside in my old Brutaclad list because it made treasures. Oh, it was so good. In that deck and it well. was interesting because it was like even stronger in that in a casual game because it made treasures that could be turned into like two two flyers yeah. or whatever like that 100 i yeah i think I, i'm also thinking specifically i had a discussion about this recently i run ad nauseum in my zaxara deck do you really i do because it's actually fucking phenomenal because when you reveal the card it's x and one green yeah so it, it's one you yeah, lose yeah. one life so you can draw like 15, 20 cards. And the, the amount of, like, amount of c cards you're getting into your hand, like, yeah, the, you're cheating the yeah, value, basically, right? Sure. Like, Pull From Tomorrow is a card you're never going to cast for one or even two. You're going to be yeah. casting it for, like, X equal to five, you know, pay seven mana or whatever. Yeah. But, yeah, it dinks you for two when you reveal it. That's pretty fun. It is really cool. And I just think it can, like, with the kind, the times I've resolved it, I've gone, oh, wow, that shifted the game quite heavily i've mm. now got so much extra mana and so much extra cards and things to do and all this kind of stuff i don't know i think a deck that just has staples in it doesn't mean it's more powerful like my zaxara build just if it casts ad nauseum it's not winning off ad nauseum no it's not an ad nauseum deck like no. in cdh it's using it for value it's powerful value mm. it's good value but it doesn't mean that it's a powerful deck. My no. Zaxara deck plays at a really nice, fair, kind of interaction, interaction combat battle cruisery deck. Yeah. But it runs Adnors. And Brad's totally right. Just because it has Adnors doesn't mean it's busted. Yeah. So I get what you're saying here, Brad. And I think that the reason why people are scared of it is because of the potential behind it. Yeah. I think if, if I like turn to, I don't know, like a, uh, like, yeah, Rhystic Study, mm. people go, oh my God that's like a powerful card that's a powerful deck um or even if i put like 
you know, an Orcish Bowmasters, but I only put it in the deck because I want to generate a token that I can sacrifice to Aristocrats. Yeah. That's not the reason it's run in CDH, but it's the reason it's run in this deck. Mm. It, but people get scared of it because they've yeah. heard all of these things of like, oh, it's really good in this CDH list. Mm. I think it's like the potential behind a staple is the reason people get scared of it. 100%. And I think it's worth noting, like, I agree with you that having, like, one-off staples or a couple of staples in a deck doesn't inherently make it a powerful deck. But, you know, if you have five or six staples or even, like, ten staples that are really, really good in a deck, that deck is just stronger for yes. having those staples in it. Especially cards like Mana Crypt, for example. Oh, That's yeah. just always really strong. That might be a turn two commander for you now. Yes. That would have previously been a turn five commander. Yeah. Like, that's a huge difference. Yeah. Definitely. Good question. Yeah, great question. Uh, next question comes to us from Jordan. Jordan asks, what's the most interesting way you've had a game end in the past year? Oh, good one. Um, I think I've spoken about this on the podcast already, but recently we had a game of kitchen table at my place and we had a friend of ours, Stella, around. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was basically... I think the situation was a psychosis crawler was on her battlefield Mm -hmm. and she'd drawn enough cards to kill us all on the stack. Yeah. On the stack, she was drawing, I think like 38 cards. Yeah. So she was about to draw them. So the triggers for psychosis crawler weren't on the stack, but the card draw was. Yes. And in response to that, I cast Runaway Together, which is one of the <laughs> stupidest removal spells, but brilliant in my Ukima Kazar deck. You basically choose two creatures that are controlled by different players, and you yeah. return them to their owner's hand. So I bounce Ukima, which triggers Ukima's ability to make Drain. someone lose life and I gain life. Yep. And I also bounce Psychosis Crawler. And as a result of that, I think Stella just decked herself from memory yeah. and killed herself like on the stack, where she was trying to win on the stack. She drew all the cards, and I think she had like five cards left in her library, Yeah. but the game went long enough that eventually she just drew from an empty library yeah that, that was so satisfying <laughs> run away together a common from eldraine i know Mwah. cards actually really good in my humans deck as well oh because it bounces a human bounces back a human, so you can cast it again yep for sure um for me the the one that stands out the most we've talked about it before but the the patreon game that we played with fletcher with fletcher uh, i think it was our first patreon game it as was well. first ever one um we we're playing at plenty of games in melbourne and yeah the the rakdos charm for the win well fletcher it was a combination of things fletcher basically politicked yeah. to convince someone to to swing at other people made the perfect deal that was something like I won't swing at you I won't swing at you yeah. for, for two turns this, this also can I make a point this highlights our space battle episode where I said it's all in the fine print yes this is a brilliant example of the fine print I look this was so noteworthy and fun of a standout like You'll example I'll back. accept it yeah. I'll accept this one because yeah basically it, it forced Cooper, who was the other player in this game, besides me, James, and Fletcher, to swing out at me and James. We died. And then before... Cooper's turn even ended Fletcher just Rakdos charmed so that all those creatures that um, Cooper had dealt damage to him one damage for each creature he controlled he was on like 12 he had 15 creatures he died on the stack and yeah Fletcher got it around so good. I didn't swing at you you know yeah. and yeah. It, honestly I'm so glad I think that was a really good play as well because that game also went for like nearly three hours yeah and we were just like so happy to see it end yeah and it was a really good like satisfying end to the game it was i think the other one for me that i had semi recently um and just stands out to me because i i think i played it right which was i was kind of like semi behind it wasn't immediately obvious that i was in a very good position and every single turn i was basically doing almost nothing except using mimic vat to make to cast captain of the guard 
which was tucked under Mimic Vat, mm. which is the six mana creature. It's a three, three. Gives other soldiers you control plus one, plus one in vigilance. And when it ETBs, you make three soldiers. Oh, okay. So I was doing that every single turn to so making more and more soldiers. And then on my last like turn that I had, I cast Song of the World Soul, which says whenever you cast a spell, populate. Oh, God. And so then I Mimic Vatted out the Captain of the Guard. The Captain of the Guard is a token because of Mimic Vat. And then I just cast like three more spells. And populated the Captain populated of the Guard? Populated the Captain of the Guard. Holy hell. So I all my soldiers were like five fives with vigilance oh and I had like God. four captain of the guards. The tokens have haste because of mimic that. Yeah. It was like a, a really cool end of the game where I basically didn't do like almost anything for like three or four turns really flew under the radar and then just like played it the right way. Yeah. It was satisfying. That's one of those watch out, watch out, watch yeah, out kind of. Yeah. <laughs> Randy Orton. Yeah. Exactly right. I'm so glad you got that right. I did. That get that <laughs> um, next question comes to us from Nick. This is a really simple one. Swords to Plowshares or Path to Exile? Uh, two of the... what We've called them out as the objectively best removal spells in our format. For sure. I'm guessing that Nick is asking here what is the strongest of those two? Like, what's the better card? Or just... What do we prefer? Or? Oh, yeah, sure. It, it could, it's up to interpretation. It it's is. It is Swords for sure. or path. I think I'm going to choose to answer this from the perspective of casual because I. it's a different question probably for CDH. Sure. You're usually playing both in CDH anyway. I think in casual that the life gain is less relevant than an extra land. I'll say mm. usually, though. Usually less relevant than an extra sure. land. How many um, times have you heard someone go, if I had one more mana? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, it's true. Because the, the the land, I think, especially if it's like turn five or six, giving someone one more mana is actually pretty substantial in terms yeah. of what it might do to their next couple of turns. Whereas, I think it... Look, it depends on the board. If, you, if you're having to sword something that's like a 12-12, giving someone 12 life is pretty bad for you. But I would say the usual amount of life that someone gains off of swords to plowshares in a casual game is probably like five or six. Yep. I don't think gaining five or six life is going to be the turning point in a game. Whereas I do think giving someone an extra mana will be most mm-hmm. likely. So yep. for me, I would say swords is usually the stronger choice, but they're both such great spells. Fair enough. I'm going to go one step further and say that swords in the early game is better mm-hmm. and path in a late game is better. That makes I think, sense. I think by like turn seven, if you're pathing something, that mana is... Less relevant. Negligible. It's yeah. like people have already ramped. People mm-hmm. have already got all the mana they need. Yeah. They're probably using everything anyway. They might have like 15 mana at that point. Yeah. I don't think it's important late game, but early game getting swords on something is just like, okay, sure. A few people have swung two twos around, mm. gaining a bun- gaining like four or five life back is negligible as well. So, but late game, swordsing something and giving people life yeah. could be game swinging, but like a path in the early game could mean someone could accelerate ahead quicker. Gotcha. So I I'm saying, yeah. I like that. I definitely agree. I think by the time you're getting to those late turns where you might have lethal on somebody, yeah, swordsing a creature they control might stop you from killing them that turn. Yeah. That's massive. Yeah. But they're both so good. Like, you really can't go wrong. Good question. I like it. It was short, Mm. sharp, to the point. Yeah. All right, we've got another one here from Ben. Should there be more land hate played against green decks? If no, should we play less artifact hate? Or should green just just get land ramp for free? Oh, this is interesting. interesting, Because I feel like what you're trying to say here, kind of in the subtext of this, is... Why is there artifact hate? Because that's my ramp in a Grixis deck. Um, <laughs> and, and but but, but green, green gets can just ramp get it, and nothing ever happens. Like we, no, no one ever really blows up land. I'm casual. I'm with you, Ben. As a Grixis player myself, mm. I'm all I'm right there. But like, this is a pretty juicy question. I think 
I've advocated pretty heavily on this podcast and just in store and everywhere else that you should have a way of destroying a target land or permanent in your deck all the time. Because there For are sure. problematic lands are very problematic. Yeah, like I mean, there are in your Tornos deck, you very, very frequently flip Storm the Vaults into a land that is banned yes. in Commander. The, the the regular version of the land is Talarian Academy. But it ta- yeah, it flips into a land, legendary land, that taps mm-hmm. for blue for each artifact you control. That is banned for a reason. It's an extremely strong effect. Also in that deck, I have uh, Manamo, School at Water's Edge. Yeah, and also another really powerful land. Extremely strong. But yeah, if you don't have a, a, a card like Beast Within or Generous gift or something Mm. of that nature you're not going to be able to deal with that land and I think that every deck should have a way of dealing with a problematic land that comes up and I I say at least one because then in a pot of four there are four people that can deal with a problematic land yeah definitely and it's most likely going to get removed if it is really problematic or um, there's multiple removals of these kind of problematic lands but I do I know that that wasn't your question because you were talking about like hate on the land ramp mm. and i get what you're saying because i actually said i think in the last episode of the q a i said that balance the band card balance wasn't as bad as other land destruction <laughs> um cards because mm. it brings everything down to even it's true um maybe they I, can print a new version of balance that sacrifices just lands down to or or maybe just costs more maybe it's like a five mana sorcery that says each player sacrifices lands until they control the same amount as the player with the fewest lands I think and I just be... leave out the creatures yeah leave out everything you know. else so it's it's at, at that rate you're not going to be like breaking the game yeah. I don't think for five mana like that's a, a typical wrath raid in white well like destructive force is what five mana and that sacrifices five lands every player yeah, sacrifices I think... five lands yeah. Yeah. yeah I think destructive force is seven I think seven mana I'm pretty sure maybe so, so five yeah, I think I'd be fine with that. Five mm. mana balance, but only for lands. I think that would be a good spell for the format. I'm going to go out on a limb and Ooh, say... Uh, Walt's custom making a land destruction <laughs> spell for the good of the format. You no, heard it here not first, Not for the good people. of the format. Not for the good of the format. For Gavin Verhey. <laughs> so he can print it for sure. the good of the format. <laughs> I love it. I think you've also mentioned Confounding Conundrum before in this conversation. Yeah. I think that's a really interesting card that... So it basically, if a land enters the battlefield and it wasn't like played for turn, it... no, it's just if it wasn't the first land. So if oh, every yeah, land no, after can... the first, that player bounces a land to their hand. So yes, because it still hates on like Azusa and yes. exploration. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But essentially, the the reason why I think this is not too bad is because it still triggers landfall. So if mm-hmm. you're in a land based deck because you're wanting to land ramp for landfall triggers, yeah. you can still do that. But you have to then play strategically around okay i'm going to be playing out on curve and i'm not going to be able to play my eight nine ten mana green behemoth bombs Mm. early game i think it's interesting you could also go into thinking like repeatable effects like strip mine loops where you can play a strip mine from graveyard with like a crucible of worlds or a raminap excavator Mm -hmm. i think they're fine i think especially like you know for example if you're playing a moldrotha deck and you have strip mine that's a great way of like keeping the land ramp player in check. However, this is kind of like a, especially with like, if you are playing Azusa or exploration effects, this is one of those tricky moments where you could slip and fall down a hill and you're giving someone a clock because you're like, in five turns, you will have no lands left. <laughs> <laughs> and and like, you could be on five lands already and just over your next three turns, strip mine three times with Azusa and exploration. Yeah. And then a player has nothing and then they're out oh, of the game. Yeah. That's a slippery slope and that feels bad, Mm. but I feel fine with seeing a strip mine in to keep 
that, you know, mono green Omnath player that's just generated 30,000 mana yeah. in check. I think that's totally fair. And I wouldn't, I would, I'm going to say if you're playing that against me and I'm playing like my Firelaf land ramp deck and you're s- destroying some of my lands, that's fine. That's part of my strategy. I now need to figure out a way to get over that line. Mm. I'm okay with that as land destruction. But if you're strip mine looping and blowing up everyone's lands and leaving them with nothing. Yeah. That feels bad. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, I would just add that specifically, I was thinking about what you said at the beginning, which is you think there should be ways to deal with lands in pretty much everyone's deck, mm-hmm. right? Problematic lands. They have printed arguably the best version of the kind of ghost quarter style effect. In my opinion, this is the most played playable casual version of this. So it's a colorless land. This is printed in Brothers War. It's called mm-hmm. Demolition Field. Oh, I've seen this. Yeah. This is really good. This is like far better than every other version yeah. of, of this card. Basically, it taps for a colorless, but you can also pay two generic, tap it and sacrifice it, destroy target non-basic land and opponent controls that lands controller may search their library for a basic land card put it onto the battlefield then shuffle you may search your library for a basic land card put it onto the battlefield then shuffle so this is a really fair version of the effect where they get one land like everyone involved in the exchange gets the same amount of lands they had you're sacking a land to get a land they're losing a land to get a but land but they get rid of their cabal coffers yeah you deal with the yeah. problematic land. Taps for colorless doesn't come in tapped. Like you can put Goes this in, in so many, deck. so many one or two color decks could be playing just a one of of this card. Yeah. Most of the time, it's just going to sit in your mana base. You're just going to tap it for mana. Every now and then, someone's going to play a problematic land. And you're going to be like, "Wow, I'm so glad I have this on my battlefield." Yeah, I think there's yeah, it's there's definitely two sides that we've discussed here. It's the problematic lands mm-hmm. where your deck should be equipped to deal with one of them, whether yes. it's with the demolition field, a generous gift, whatever. Yeah, and then there's also the hating on land ramp which can be dealt with in some creative ways and i think is okay as long as you're not doing the i'm gonna leave you with nothing in three turns yeah 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 i think i'm with you on that one yeah um next question comes to us from adam adam asks what non-humanoid magic creature type would you want to be and why (laughs) i'm gonna stick with uh where we were in the thrifty interlude and say goblin yeah fair. they have the most fun i just want to be a a freaky little weirdo and they are the most freaky little weirdos in magic planes in my opinion yeah um they are i've heard spice eight rack say that uh all goblins can be sorted into i think it was three categories i can only remember two of them right now which is um, uh, little bastards and little guys. I think were two of the <laughs> like cute little guys and freaky little bastards. I think were two of the. the... That sounds very spice eight, right? It does. A way of like... Anyway, I just I I love goblins. I played a goblin in a D and D campaign, and it was an absolute well, multiple D and D campaigns actually. Dirk Dorg, the fifty eight year old goblin. Yeah, um, I've it's seen just, this guy before. It's fun being a freak. That's what I'll say. I'm not shocked. I also miss your Cranko deck for this reason because you used to get absolutely like doe-eyed about the arts on so many of your goblin cards in that deck um yeah i see that look i'm gonna argue that goblins are kind of humanoid though oh they're like i kind of because the question if you look it says non-humanoid oh i i fully read that as non-human Right, that's fair but goblins are humanoid that's true oh okay so, so maybe they're asking like yeah, yeah, because like my immediate response was a, a homunculus, okay. you know, like the curious yeah. homunculus in the library. Love I just love those arts, but those but are humanoid. Humanoid. Okay. So with that in mind, I'm gonna say I'd be a squirrel, 
because right. I think it's the most supported non-humanoid type in Magic <laughs> to exist. So you've got like a lot of teammates. You and 14 of your other best friends can take down an interdimensional world eater. True. You just need 15 of you and then it's dead. You know what? I, I think I'm going to change mine then now yeah. that I know what the question was <laughs> Non-humanoid. Um, I think I want to be a worm. A worm? A worm. W-U-R-M, worm. Not W-O-R-M. No, no, just very different. Just Day. I just, I, worms are sick. They just break shit. They, they they're always glide bursting out of something. Yeah, bursting. They're just, they're just, they're, they're also little freaks. <laughs> no, 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 they're big freaks. <laughs> you're cat- Much better. You're like criteria of non-humanoid is, does it tick the freak box? Yes. I'm in. <laughs> Ticks the freak box, is weird. Yep, we're yeah. going to be a worm, everyone. Uh, all right, so Walter Worm, I'm a squirrel. There you go. <laughs> Commission fan art for that. <laughs> Go for your life. Oh, gosh. All right. Uh, next question comes to us from Troy. Troy asks, what should people just get over in Commander? Whether it be cards, gameplay styles, rules, or anything else. What Ooh. do you reckon? This is a tough one. I think that land destruction, funnily enough, is one of the things that I think people should just get over a little bit. I assume you mean single target. Single, single target, land. yeah. Okay. Not like mass land destruction. If you're, no. again, if you're strip mine looping everyone down to zero lands, sure. I'm getting cranky at that. Mm-hmm. I'm not having fun. But if you strip mine me because I've ramped like 13 mana ahead of everyone else, mm-hmm. I'm not going to get mad at that. And I think people should get over, you know, like you've got a cabal coffers. We're one exsanguinate away from death. Mm. We need to get rid of that. I'm going to pop it. Don't get mad. You were about to win. Yeah. You wouldn't have got mad if I killed something on your... Like a creature that said, I win in two turns. Mm. Don't get mad at the land destruction. Yeah. I'm going to... Yeah, I think land destruction is something that people need to get over a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, these are like hot takes. I don't want to sound like too <laughs> rude. Yeah. But um, I also think losing. And like be- losing mm. by like bad luck sometimes as well. Yeah. I, we talked about getting tilted at the first half of this episode. I think that getting tilted over luck is, in my opinion, a little bit anti-productive because mm-hmm. I, I've talked about this quite a bit. I get tilted when I misplay. I get yeah. really angry because I know that I could have done better. And that's not angry at anyone else. It's angry at myself. But I think when you're like mana screwed or landlocked or like some, you know, like getting flooded, whatever. And that like, it is infuriating, but I think being infuriated at that is just like shouting at the universe. Why are you so unfair? Yeah. Like, it's not going to do anything. No, it doesn't do anything. It's not worth getting harp on. And sometimes I think that it's a bit of a message from your deck. Hey, are you running enough lands? Mm. Like you should maybe investigate it or something instead of just getting mad being like, I never draw enough lands. How many are you running? 12. Yeah. (laughs) Well, fuck. (laughs) There's luck and then there's the things you've done. Yeah. Um, Ah, no, the consequences of my (laughs) own actions. Exactly right. (laughs) Um, I think for me, it's probably a bit of a weird one. I think people need to get over um, the way that some people, the people need to get over casual players. I hear so many people, even in this Q&A, people have been so hung up on the things that, like, oh, people... You know, see this all the time on the EDH subreddit. People mm. need to play more removal. People need to be uh, interacting more. People need to be giving more better rule zeros. And it's like, can we acknowledge that sometimes people just don't know 
Some yeah. people just don't know yet. And the best way for you to to lead them out of it is to like gently guide them, not like berate them for the decisions that they're making yep. or go online and whinge about it with a bunch of online weirdos as well. <laughs> yeah, like much. I think we just need to get over the, the idea as well that we there's something that needs to be fixed about casual battle cruiser magic. Keep in mind, we know because what uh, Wizards of the Coast have done statistics on this, most people are playing commander, most people are playing commander casual at their kitchen table, okay? Mm-hmm. Like, not in game stores. Not in game stores. Yeah. Not highly optimizing their decks. I say this as someone who highly optimizes my <laughs> decks and probably saying this to myself as well. We need to get over the idea that there's something broken with those commander players out there. Yeah. It's a legitimate way to play. You've got to respect it because that's most of the people out there playing commander. And they're not doing anything wrong by not playing the best versions of every effect and building the best possible decks. Yep. I think that that's a very get commanded message as well. Mm. Get commanded like formed... Uh, this is a bit of an insight here and a good tangent to this question. Mm-hmm. We kind of started this podcast because we wanted to make the casual commander experience at our store a bit more enjoyable. Yeah. Because people were freaking out yeah. about different things and mm-hmm. feeling like the format was broken. And I think the Get Commanded mission statement at the very beginning was we want to help the casual players in our store yeah we've grown to much more than that but that's where it's definitely the origins yeah yeah Yeah. we stand for the little guys yeah speaking of the little guys what a segue the next oh my god the next you did it you did a good segue (laughs) the next question comes to us from brad who asks what is your favorite ant speaking of the little guys man well done thank you Uh, and yeah Great question, Brad. What's our favourite ant? Um, it's obviously Agitator Ant. The Thrifty Thursdays All-Star. Thrifty Thursdays All-Star goads things in your end step, puts counters on them. He's angry. They're angry. They're ants. They're snake ants. <laughs> um, that's, yeah, a reference to the Thrifty Thursdays. <laughs> no, I think this is a reference to our stream that we did where we went on a tangent because Fletcher... Our patron who also shoots into our streams loves ants. I love ants. I will give a proper answer specifically for Fletcher. Um, (laughs) My favorite ant is probably the giant bull ant. Um, They are are these the the ones we get in Australia as well. They're huge. Well, I think almost all. I think all bull ants are Australian, actually. It's, a, oh, it's really? an ex- Australia-exclusive group of ants. They're considered primitive ants because they have not developed some of the things that, like, quote, more advanced... Like, they're, they're closer to the historical ancestor of all ants than some of the other ants we get overseas that have sort of evolved Like primitive further. ants. Yeah, they're quite primitive, primitive in that they have quite small colonies. They're quite large themselves. And they are sort of quite independent. They don't necessarily, like, rely on other workers. They kind of go out on their own. They're like, I'm going to go get, find some food today and bring it back. That's, like, their mission. Whereas most other ants they're are, They're the like, barbarian class yeah, of ants. <laughs> basically. Anyway, I love giant bull ants because if you look up footage of them, and specifically there's a great YouTube channel called Ants Australia, or maybe Australian Ants or you something. You are so fucking nerdy. <laughs> I know. There's a fantastic um, series he does where he features, like, a colony that he has of yeah. ants. And he like, filming them. And there's a hilarious bit where he's like, it's very different difficult to film these ants because their eyesight is so good that the second you like remove the cover on their nest they just look at you and threaten you <laughs> so there's all this footage of him <laughs> doing the old timey all right yeah, man stick them up out. i got the fisty cuffs going on great time for us to have a physical uh, camera for this but basically yeah. they have these like massive jaws that they spread really wide and they look up at the camera and they make like threatening like like basically like the come at me bro like this thing of going <laughs> what, like what step what? to me come step on, to me come on like, bring it bring it like that it's hilarious footage i love we need a camera for this podcast. They're so goofy. Um, my favorite ant, Ant Man. 
Nice. Yeah, Paul Rudd's a goofy guy. Yeah. Like Ant-Man. Very good. Yeah. Yep. I don't know Ants. Technically I just, correct. I, just, I guess, yeah, the giant bull ants are... I don't fucking know. <laughs> the fact that the, the, this has become a thing on the Get Commanded podcast... I'm so out of this joke. <laughs> I feel like this is an inside joke for you, Brad and Fletcher, and yeah. I'm just like... Okay, cool. <laughs> I don't even know if Brad knows what he's asking for. I think I think Brad was just like, ah, so funny enjoying to ask. it. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, next question is about Magic the Gathering. Uh, it comes to us from Ben, who asks, you often talk about thrifty cards and finding the right cards for your deck, mm-hmm. but do you two have any pet cards that you almost always include in the decks you build? Yeah, I actually had to look at my deck lists for this one. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much every green deck I have runs Hunter's Insight. Oh, this card's great. This is the instant th- for th- two and a green. Two and a green, and whenever target creature you control next deals damage to a player, you draw that many cards. It's a great combat trick. It's so good, and I, I love that stuff. I'm like, go to combat swing, no yeah. blocks, before damage, and yeah. they freak out, and yeah. you're like, no, 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 you're still taking five, but I'm drawing five. Yeah. Like, I think it's also a really, it's always really, really good rate, and it also always fits in a green deck. Green decks always have a creature that wants to swing. It feels good all the time. It's really out of place. Yeah. I think that I don't really have pet cards in like all decks. I think that was the one that I saw. I found that I have cards in a deck that I call the pet card of that deck. Um, but I, cause I try and make the deck so independent and different from one another. I don't yeah. have a lot of opportunity to transport cards. Like if I, I already mm. have like a Grixis big spells deck, I don't have another Grixis big spells decks that port over. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. We're, we're definitely both people who like to build decks that are unlike decks we already own. Yes. We're sort of the opposite of that player who keeps making token decks or that player who yeah. keeps making, you know, that like that Actually, same kind of decks. that's wrong. You always manage to make tokens but, in your decks. But, but I will say, you're totally right, but yeah. I will say I try and have the actual strategy around the tokens be different. Yes. You know what I mean? The like, overall, what the deck wants to do is vastly different from another token yeah. deck. So yeah. So like my Reese deck is a tokens deck but has a flicker sub thing. Mm-hmm. Like the, the main way I'm making tokens is creatures that enter the battlefield and make tokens got a bunch of flicker effects in there that's the strategy of that yep. deck but then I have like my Wart the Raid Mother deck is a goblins deck so yes it makes goblin tokens but mostly just wants to make a lot of goblins to copy them it's a copy yeah. spells deck you know yep. what I mean so you're utilizing them and making them in different ways yeah so you're saying because you have decks like this you don't often have the same yeah. cards in them I don't find a lot of cards port over yeah. um, to other decks and I think that's probably the same for you I'm exactly um, the same. Yeah. hundred percent. Most of my decks, I have pet cards in decks. I'm yes. completely the same as you. I have decks and that's, to be honest. That will a, never be removed. Like Crows no. and Wayfinder, for example, in your Marin deck. Yeah. Never coming out. No. There, there are like, there, there, honestly, this is the origins of Thrifty Thursdays. It's like, yeah, these are okay. cheap cards that I think more people should be playing. And also I like them. I think they're yep. goofy and weird and people should have more goofy, weird cards in them. But I, I will say, I'm going to amend my statement though, because I, I had that written as my answer for this question. Mm. And then subsequently realized I'm completely wrong. Modal lands. Oh, MDFCs. MDFCs. Hell yeah. All those things that are spells on one side and then lands on the other. I play them all the time. I have a I have like eight Sajiri shelters. Yep. I have like three Balaged recoveries. I, I have like five Malakir rebirths. I do see Malakir rebirth a lot. I play Malakir rebirth in nearly every back deck, but also yep. the um, blue one that looks at the top six and you get an instant sorcery. Oh. Um, oh, what's that card S, called? It starts with an S. Oh, come on, brain. Think, think, think. Uh, Something 
Oh, it's two and a blue. I know the yeah. card. Can you look it up? I'll look it up. Thank you. I'll look it up. But yeah, I, I think besides modal cards, I'm not really like someone yeah. who who's doing that. I will say that I have cards that are other people's pet cards in my deck. So I like, for example, um, I have a Whip of Erebos in one of my decks because it's a incredibly well played card from someone in our local community, and every yeah. time it's cast, it's Whip of Erebos. Whip of Erebos. Um, I also have Fling in my file deck because one of my like senseis of magic um loves fling yes um basically taught me everything i know about magic and i put every version of a fling effect i could put in my fire life deck because i kind of it's an ode to to that player yeah. and i like having other players pet cards in my decks because and especially if i've gotten the card from them mm-hmm. um i find it's really cool to have their card in my deck uh, like Diplomatic Immunity um, was yeah. a card that I used to run that was one of your pet cards, and I put that in my deck for a while. And yeah, yeah it's really sweet having friends' cards in your. But I, I guess to address the question specifically, we're both saying we don't necessarily when we're building a deck, we don't have a card that's like, oh, I de- I'm, I'm definitely playing this. I yeah. think, except maybe the modal. And DFCs for sure. And DFCs reckon, yeah. always find their way. Well, I mean, we me. said we'd make merch with yeah. DFCs as it's a, a focus. land on the back. Pretty, pretty pet cards from us. Yes, but besides that, not really. Uh, the card you're thinking of was Salundi Vision. Salundi Vision. And it's Salundi Isle on the back as I well. I knew it started with an S. Yep, you were on it. You were on the right track. Um, cool. Next question comes from us from Nick. Nick says, "You have the ability to ban one commander. Who do you pick?" <laughs> I mean, I will say that we have addressed this in lengthy form in our ban list episode. Yeah, we, we have. We addressed all the cards that were on the ban list that we, that we thought were worth discussing. And then we also discussed cards we would add to the ban list. Yep. But yes, okay, well, we're re- revisiting it again. Who would One we ban? One commander. One commander. Who are you banning, James? I've got a couple, but mm-hmm. I'm going to say Coma, Cosmo cool. Serpent, because yep. every time I've tried to play against it, it has... One, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't think I've ever seen a coma deck lose personally. It Once is, it resolves coma, is what yeah, I would say. Once coma's on the battlefield, it's like, how am I ever going to get out of this? How do you play against coma? You cast Dranith Magistrate and protect <laughs> it with your life. <laughs> uh, the arms race. It's just too, it's just so good. Yeah. It's like, why is it Ophiomancer but bigger and greener? Like, and <laughs> <laughs> like it's insane. I know, it's silly. Um, I would also like to go on a slight tangent here and say, I do like. We spoke about this on the band this episode, but I like the band as commander thing. It I like used it. to exist. So it's, it's, yeah. it's gone now. So now we just have a ban list of cards that are just banned. But we used to have a separate list. So there were cards that were just banned full stop in commander. You can't play them anywhere. Yep. And then there were cards that were specifically banned as commander. So, so you, you could have them in the 99, but you couldn't have them in your command zone. Yep. So I think um, the braids that is on the ban list was in the band as commander camp, mm. for, intro- for, for example. I think Golos would probably, if they had the, this now, yeah, when Golos would... was banned, I think it would not go in the just banned full stop. I think it would go in band as commander. I think so too. But look, I again, on that episode of the ban list episode, I did say that I understand the reason why they took it away because mm. a simple and clean ban list solves so many confusing problems yeah. about getting someone into the format etc mm-hmm. etc et and it's good to have a short ban list too mm. so like I, I also have a, my vote for banning a commander is Turgrid that was the other one that I had in my head yeah, yeah which is funny I think both of these were mentioned in the ban list episode but they're just they're both 
to me, they're both commanders that like are not really CDH playable, but in a casual game, they're too oppressive to enjoy playing against. Yep. It's just too strong of an effect in the 99. I would rather not see it anymore. Um, but yeah, I will say that I agree with you that the ban list being simple is a really good thing. The ban list being short is a really good thing. Yeah. And actually having not that many cards on there is good for the format at large. The, the thing that I love about the fact that the two commanders that we banned here are Turgrid and Coma, I barely see them now. No. I think I saw a little bit of them when they came out in, both of them Caldo. I know, right? Wild. Um, and another set that we both said we wanted to revisit. Oh, <laughs> Let's dear. Revisit it, but without Coma or Turgrid, please. <laughs> Contradicting ourselves. Yeah. Um, I don't see them played. So no, I'm, o- I'm okay with them. Like, I think if I had to, like, if someone had a gun to my head and was like, ban a card, I'd be like, all right, Coma. Yeah. But, like, I wouldn't care if it did or didn't get banned because I just don't see it. So no. it's fine. I think it's a really good example of something that didn't immediately make sense to me about the um, the way that the, the Commander Rules Committee does things, mm. which is that they said that they monitor cards and that often the format controls for them already. Yes. So in other words, they know there are commanders like this that come out, everyone and their dog has built a commander deck now using this thing, everyone's having a miserable time playing against them, but you know what happens most of the time? People pull those decks apart because they're not fun to pilot, they're not fun to play against, yeah. they care about the people they're playing with and know <laughs> they don't want to contribute to this awful time. The cards stop seeing play naturally. So I It's think actually quite a beautiful thing about our format yeah is we, mostly we care, about, care about how much fun everyone is having yeah and we intentionally remove cards from our decks if we've noticed they're not much fun to play against anymore that's sick i love our format i do and we have one last question oh we're nearly there we're nearly there this one comes to us from jordan who asks have any of your opinions or answers on the last q a changed in the past year so he's not referring to episode 50 <laughs> the yeah, one that just came out this is the q a like 10, 10 and 11 10 i think they yeah. were with a q a part one and two um i had to do some digging i assume i did to too i had to pull up our archive our of episodes yeah it's a <laughs> which long by the way our writing and it's our outlines of our podcast episodes have just gotten so much better. Oh yeah, it, it was. It did not look so good. <laughs> it going was back to this, terrible. It was not so good. So I did some digging. Um, some just interesting. I did. There wasn't anything like massive that I noticed, but there mm. were some interesting little observations. My favorite deck of James's that I highlighted was Brudeclad. Oh yeah, it doesn't exist anymore. It doesn't exist anymore. But it's funny because now my answer is probably Tornos. Yeah, you reckon? I reckon it's probably my, one of my favorite of your decks to play against. That's really interesting, and I'm. Gonna to call you out here because the last episode you said that you hate playing against combos and that deck is nothing but combos but it's, i'm very well but you don't have very many infinite combos that's true it's very hard to get off the you've you and you highlight it in the rule zero you can see it coming yeah yeah i'm and this is actually showing some of my growth i think as a commander player good job is <laughs> seeing the number of hoops you have to jump through for that combo i'm totally cool playing against nice. it. it's a fun deck to see play out i'm very proud of it yeah um, my most powerful deck that I said before was Krenko. Mm-hmm. Also doesn't exist anymore. Uh, but I didn't own Yashan at the time. So I didn't actually oh, you have... you weren't playing CDH at I the time. I hadn't played CDH yet. So, um, now my most powerful deck is obviously my CDH deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, followed now, probably my most powerful casual deck would be Azor the Lawbringer. Yeah, for I sure. I would say. Like, it just has the best cards in it. I don't know that it's my most consistent deck, but it's like, yeah, yeah it's up I there. also remember that I highlighted that as my favorite Walt deck. Which is interesting. I see where you're going. Because you yeah. said recently, when we talked about um, decks we would disassemble, you said, I wouldn't mind seeing you disassemble Azor the Lawbringer. Yeah. So, interesting what 12 months more of games of Commander played against me will do to a deck yeah. where you're kind of like, oh, I'm over it now. Well, it's, it's less of like, I'm over it. I just think it's like, 
it's more of a I know you and you're not playing it enough to get mm. enjoyment out of it. Sure. And I don't think you play in pods that are at that level. Like you played it at Command Fest at a pretty high powered mm-hmm. pod and you yep. did have fun with it. Yep. But like that's the first time I've seen you do that, probably in twelve months mm. with that deck. It's interesting. It it um sits in a separate most of the time when I come to the, go to the game store, I have and people who play with me will know this, I have three archives. The battle boxes. The battle boxes. They have four decks in each of them. Azor the Lawbringer actually sits in this really beautiful pearlescent rainbow yeah, coloured. I've got it here. You yeah, actually, um, Ultimate Guard Boulder, not Boulder. It's what are they called? The, the Satin Towers. Satin Towers. Ultimate Guard. Ultimate it's like Satin Towers. Kind of like flu- uh, like kind of chromy, but yeah, plastic. like a chromatic kind of rainbow yeah. colour. Also, anyway, beautiful pink sleeves. Yeah, because yeah. it sits in a separate box, I actually have to bring it specifically if I go to the game store because usually I just grab an archive. Yep. And subsequently, it doesn't come along very often. So yep. I wonder if I just put it in a, a boulder with the rest of them in the archives. If you'll play it more Maybe often. Maybe I'll play it more often. I don't know. Maybe. But look, I think it's more like it could make way for a new a different kind of deck. Sphinx type deck or yeah, something maybe. like that. That's true. How about you? What, what, what's changed for you since the last Q&A? Interesting. The one that I noticed um, in the Q&A was actually uh, the fact that there was a question that was, what's your favorite deck that isn't one of ours? Mm-hmm. And I said at the time there was a Cedrus deck played by one of our community members, um, Jordan, Jordan, who has asked this question actually. Funnily I don't think that's my favorite deck anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, I also highlighted Garth, um, which was one of our other local community members, which was like a five color, my commander is your commander, and I do every strategy under the sun. Tokens go wide, I'll steal your strategy kind of thing. But also did storm things. It was funny. It did everything. Yeah. I am now saying that my favorite deck that isn't ours is one of my friends Brad's deck. It's Goro Goro and Satoru, mm-hmm. the haste try the haste type deck where when you when a creature deals damage to a player, if it entered the battlefield this turn, you create a five-five. That's right. Dragon it's or four-four dragon. So yeah, you like want that. things with haste or things that give haste, mm. or just things that can get through the turn they come down, and then yeah, you get five-fives yeah. out of it. But yeah. the way that Brad has built this deck, I think, is awesome. It's a ninjutsu deck. So Brad can return creatures to his hand right. to redeploy them to have them gain haste oh. and hit again because well, of also, the unblockable. If you if you ninjutsu into a creature, it did enter it did the battlefield, into the this, battlefield turn. this turn. That's fine. It's really sick. And it's also been built at a really fun power level. Because I imagine there's ways to play this that are really powerful because mm-hmm. Gorgor and Satoru are also like three mana I think it's just like Grixis yeah. um, they're really low to the ground really cheap they've also got a haste enabler inbuilt on them yeah, for one like and a red f- yeah, yeah yeah it's not a lot to pay it's not a lot I just think the deck was designed in a way that is like I want to play this at fun casual tables yeah. but doing really complicated tricky sequences of combat and specifically for Brad I think that Brad loves those combat interactions yeah i don't see him play it enough though so brad if you're listening play that deck more i think it's sick sounds fun i'd love to play against it yeah um i also noticed that that marchessa was uh my favorite deck a year ago still is um (laughs) nice also my least powerful deck i actually think my least powerful deck is now my bear deck i think yeah that, that is now my like I would probably agree with that. Intro, if someone's playing Commander for the first time, I'll usually whip out bears. Yep. It's also just a walking meme. Yeah. Like, it's, it's just bears. Four <laughs> bears, Blade is in the deck. Yeah, because yep. it's four bears. <laughs> Bearscape, I've got the, the gay art of Bearscape. Yeah, we love bears. that. We do. But yeah, We're interesting nice. one. Made me reflect on the last year of us doing this together, Well, Definitely. Well, 
let's wrap it up a bit. It blows mm. us away to hear the effect we've had on your games of Commander, and it is our absolute privilege to bring you this podcast every Friday. We seriously wouldn't make this content if it wasn't for all of you wonderful people out there. So here's to another 50 episodes or 500. I hope so. Look, knowing that the conversations that Walt and I have are not only enjoyed by us, but by you as well, is what keeps us making this podcast. It's actually a lot of work to keep things running here at Get Commanded. The research, the writing, recording, the editing, promoting, the emails, the salesmanship, and the frequent teleportation sickness that we incur from traveling across space and time (laughs) all become worth it when Walt and I get to talk about our favorite game with some of our favorite people on this earth, and that's you. So, Space Commanders, command received. I was getting choked up at the end there. It's very beautiful. <laughs> it's lovely. It's Thank lovely you guys. what we get to do. So, to you listeners out there, do you feel commanded? What do you think of our answers to your questions? And is there anything you disagree with? Yeah, and you can talk to us on plenty of different platforms, but the best way would be like our Discord server, mm-hmm. for sure, which we talk about all the time. But you can send us an email as well and um, just. Get in touch with us in many different ways. You can. You can also follow us on X, the platform that Elon has named after his wife. Yeah, and also how I imagine he signs his names on documents pertaining to said wife. Mm. (laughs) Very good. Um, You can follow us on there to see our thoughts on upcoming cards, sets, events, and other Magic the Gathering updates. It's at get commanded or it will be until that platform inevitably implodes upon implodes. itself it's so close <laughs> it's so good to see the death rattle uh, it'll be gone very very soon <laughs> the trumpet is sounding it's true and look you ca- don't forget as well our patreon is definitely the best way to support the content that walt and i make and can lead us to that next 50 500 episodes that mm-hmm. we want to do um and we would like to thank our patrons stella tam and fuzzy and make a very special shout out to fletcher cutting for supporting us in the space commander tier you are the best it's true you are and thank you also to palms off gaming who sponsor this podcast they make some really fantastic deck boxes sleeves binders and basically anything you would possibly need to keep your cards safe and protected when you go to the game store when you go anywhere when you want to flex them in your binder all that kind of stuff you can check them out at palmsoffgaming.com.au well we did it that's another q a wrapped up Big we one have too. talked a lot about magic. Mm-hmm. Um, let's planeswalk. Sure. Uh, it is your week this week. Mm-hmm. Where are we planeswalking to this week, Walt? I'd like to planeswalk to Granny Bingo. Like like a bingo hall with a lot of grannies in it? No. I would like to planeswalk to this outstanding event that happens every month. I think it's the first Monday of every month at um, Comedy Republic, which is in Melbourne. Okay. Uh, it's on uh, Burke Street, I want to say. It's somewhere in the, in the CBD there um it's hosted by two drag queens i'm there who or three drag queens i should say i'm there even quicker (laughs) (laughs) who are dressed up as grannies they they do granny drag they do granny drag i'm all about this and they they host a bingo night so there are there is an actual bingo that is happening they uh you know like spin the wheel pull them out that's sick that is like five percent of the actual night mostly it's just them being extremely funny and playing the crowd they're like come and interview people in the crowd make hilariously topical jokes about them um and a lot of very queer humor so if you're a queer person definitely recommend but just for anybody they're very very funny tickets are very very cheap and you just get to sit down and have a very very good laugh on a monday night um me and my co-workers went along because actually one of the people in granny bingo used to work at art center melbourne oh that's cool um it was actually my boss when i started (laughs) 
funnily That's enough, so cool. was the one who recommended that I should become a manager in the team when he left. Oh. And then I have subsequently ended up in that role. So That's big, amazing. huge shout out to him. But yeah, um, Granny Bingo, highly recommend. They're very, very funny. You can follow them on Instagram at Granny Bingo, I believe. Oh, cool. Um, but basically, yeah, it's just like a silly night where they just make queer humor and just generally hilarious comments about people in Melbourne and the kinds of things we get up to. Um, they just celebrated their eight year anniversary. Of oh, doing, wow. They've been doing it a while. Doing it for a long time. Like, and um, me, and, me and my partner, I didn't realize I was going to say this as well. We just went to DragCon literally yesterday. Awesome. Um, big convention. It's on today as well. Not at the time the podcast comes out, obviously. But Is it the exhibition building? At the convention yeah. exhibition center in Melbourne. Um, and they were, they had an entire like sort of booth at DragCon and they hosted a bingo like halfway through one of the That's days. That's cool. It was really cool to see that they are just enormously funny. Like, cannot recommend highly enough. I am shocked that we haven't gone. This sounds like a thing that we should do as a group activity with both our partners. This was the first time I'd ever gone was oh, with my co-workers. I, they'd done a, they had done a granny bingo at my workplace once, which was also really, really funny. Mm. But yeah, like having gone to one at the actual bar, it's just hysterical. All right. Well, considering it doesn't fall on Tuesday night, which is commander night, <laughs> we have to go. It's We're, true. We'll and also if we get bored, we can just go around the corner to plenty of games. <laughs> And it'll be Monday night, which is their oh, commander, their commander night. night. True, yeah. It's true. We could we could top off the night from Granny Bingo with a casual game of Commander. It's I true. like it. Maybe. Um, well, that's just about all we have time for, I reckon. So we'll see you next Friday for another transmission from the Space Commanders. Goodbye, Commander players. Bye.